This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Eleanor Roosevelt A lot of people day hike to this particular lookout. Now they do have like a big door that comes down that you can lock from the top so like nobody could get up in there but still it's you're in a very vulnerable place i mean if somebody wanted to get to you like there is no way down and oftentimes you don't have service so i totally get that but i'm not saying that to like scare anyone the likelihood of that happening very slim um but we did have a lot of day hikers come and it was kind of sketchy because what would happen is they start walking up the stairs and we never really saw them coming up a trail all of a sudden we just start feeling the lookout shake so they're walking up the stairs and it's like heavy boots like coming up the stairs and it's like oh gosh we're up here by ourselves do we pretend like we're not here do we make a bunch of noise do we go down and say hi you know situations like that it is kind of scary i'm doc and this is the john freaking mirror pod Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute to help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
All right, let's get to this week's guest who comes to us courtesy of one of our past guests, Jeff Legend Garmeyer. Legend reached out unsolicited and said that I had to have our guest on tonight to come on and talk to us. So we did. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Cameron Peterson. Thank you. So excited to be here. So the first thing I have to know is how do you know Jeff Garmeyer? <laughs> yeah. Um, coincidentally, Jeff and I are actually from the same town that I had no idea that that was the case, but I had heard him on many podcasts, as we all know, right? And um, yeah, I had a friend who said, do you know Jeff? He went to high school around here. And I said, no, I don't, I don't know a Jeff. And they were like, I think his trail name's Legend. And I was like, the Legend? So naturally, I mean, I totally fangirled and reached out and I said, oh my gosh, we're from the same town. And him being him said, hey, we need to get together. So when he came to town, um, we got together and, you know, we've been really uh, close ever since. We just went to Alaska together. So it was a good time. Wow. Now you talk about being a fangirl. I have to tell you, when he reached out to me, it was via email. And on the email, he included his cell phone number. So rather than respond via email, I texted him. I texted yeah. him. And you know what? I'm, I am not ashamed to say that it was the highlight of my week that Jeff Legend Garmeyer and I were texting back and forth to each other. <laughs> yeah, he is a wonderful human and he is so um, responsive. So yeah, he's great. And I am, I'm trying slowly bit by bit to get him to allow me to be an honorary crew member the next time he goes and does the Berkeley marathons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that he's open to that idea. All right. So he, there's a reason he suggested that I talk to you and it has to do with the good work that you're doing in the Pacific Northwest. What can you tell us about uh, your, your outreach and, and uh, what you're doing out there to, to help female hikers? Yeah. So um, this is something that really relates personally to me, obviously being a female, right? Um, quite a while ago, I went through kind of a nasty breakup, but with that person, we had been going outside a bunch and, you know, summiting mountains and doing all of these fun things. And after we broke up, I said, you know, do I really still want to be outside? I think I like this stuff, um, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, I did in a way, but I, I wasn't hundred percent prepared to be going out there by myself, let alone, you know, with other people. And so uh, um, it kind of led into this spiral of me kind of taking control and, and taking all of these, um, you know, classes, webinars, things like that to educate myself on how to be outside and also just getting out there. And the more and more I started doing it, I had kind of a big outreach of people, um, women mostly saying, Hey, you're doing all of the school adventure stuff. I want to get out there too. How do you, you know, how do I do this? And I thought, you know, if I am struggling to also find resources and figure out how to get outside in a community of women, there must be so many others struggling with this, right? So I really started kind of putting myself out there as a resource for people to be for knowledge or, you know, just ask questions, a safe space. I think one of the biggest things um, that anybody in the outdoors when you're looking to get into something new is how do I start? And so I kind of made myself, you know, this person that people could feel safe asking. And I got just flooded with, you know, comments, questions, hey, I want to come. And so that kind of led to hosting these hikes, which were, which has been amazing. And now, you know, I have this awesome community of women who, I mean, we're talking like complete strangers meeting at a trailhead and 
hiking together, forming this community that, you know, maybe they just moved to the Pacific Northwest or maybe they just don't have outdoorsy friends, right? And they're looking to uh, expand that community themselves. So it's been a really cool experience being able to educate them and talk about gear. You know, I just say, hey, come on out, come hiking and we can talk about gear, safety, whatever you want to talk about. And it's been amazing. And so how, how do they reach you? I mean, what is, what is your vehicle that you use for, for outreach to get them to communicate back and forth with you to promote these, these types of events? Yeah, primarily Instagram. Um, I mean, I do a little bit here and there through Facebook as well, but a lot of it is through Instagram. Um, I'm a very open person of like, my DMs are wide open. If you have a question, you are more than welcome to ask me. I try to do like the little ask me anythings pretty frequently. Um, and then I really am organizing them through Instagram too, saying, Hey, I'm going to do a hike on this day. Who's interested in coming, you know, drop your name below something like that. And then, you know, it's like an Excel spreadsheet fun thing I'm doing right now. <laughs> so I should probably find a better Avenue for this as it's exploding. Um, which like Jeff has been a really awesome person to collab with on this because he has so much experience in organizing, you know, events and, and doing a lot of outreach and things like that with different people. So he's had a lot of really good insight. I thought you were just yeah. going to drop your website on us. You know, you're, you're uh, <laughs> I have a professional website, but I don't have a website here. Um, but yet. I would, uh, yet. yet, yeah, it's a yet thing, but yeah, primarily through Instagram, I'm really active on there and, you know, um, do a lot of like, you know, ask me questions here, or I'm going to organize an event on here, that kind of thing. Okay. Now, uh, let's see, I got distracted here. Um, <laughs> have you listened to the podcast before? I have. Okay. I think you indicated when I reached out to you after, after a legend, let me know. And I reached out to you via social media and the part I, I just forgot about that just came back to me, but is social media, social media, like anything is, is, a uh, kind of a, a, a two-edged sword, right? There is mm -hmm. so much that we know that can be negative with social media and how, you know, you're always striving to be perfect and your, your lack of perfection when you're looking at other people's social media makes you feel bad and, and the, all the different stuff that goes on on social media, that could, it could be really a negative experience, but there is so much positivity to it as well. Like your outreach through, through Instagram, like me sharing, you know, our, our guest stories via Instagram. And so mm -hmm. uh, it's a, uh, it's a very powerful tool if you use it correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially recently, I've kind of started leaning a bit into this whole, like, I think that there's this misconception that like, if you're going to be outside, you have to be the fittest person in the world, or you've had to have been doing this since you were two years old or something like that. And there's this idea, like, I see so many other really awesome women who, you know, maybe have like this perfect body or something like that out there. And, you know, that really gets me down sometimes. And so I've tried to like open up my Instagram as a very vulnerable space where people are like, I'm just like trying to be so real with them and saying, Hey, yeah, I'm getting outside. You know, I just posted about something today. Like I'm getting outside and doing all of this stuff, but my life isn't also super glamorous. Like I don't live this traditional life of, um, you know, getting married and having children and owning a home and things like that. I mean, I think it's hard because sometimes we get this image of whoever these people are online and that might just not be the case, you know, and we see them doing all of these beautiful hikes, but like really, you know, it took 
like maybe they look amazing in this photo at the top of this hike, but like maybe it was a mile hike in. I mean, it's just so, it can be so confusing for people who, you know, have, especially people who have never been outside. They're like, man, this girl looks or man looks amazing at the top of this mountain. Whereas I'm like red faced and dying and like leg on the ground saying, take me now. I don't know. So Instagram is tough. And I just try to remind myself sometimes, like I purposely do Instagram free days where I like don't touch it all day because it's better for my mental health. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just icky. Yeah. I really like the Instagram Instagram accounts that, that don't always just portray through hiking as a glamorous activity. Cause mm-hmm. let's face it. Through hiking is not glamorous. No, I mean, you're, you, you're working hard out there. You're living in the dirt. There are times you're like, what the heck am I doing? And the, the accounts that really show the, the struggle and the agony occasionally uh, as a, is a realistic glimpse into what through hiking is all about. I, I enjoy those accounts too. Yeah. I mean, I did like an ask me something recently and somebody said, how do you deal with hygiene on the trail? And I just posted a picture of the bottom of my feet and I'm like, what hygiene that doesn't exist. Like I wear the same clothes every single day. Sometimes I'm sleeping in them and I smell bad. So Mm it doesn't exist. Yes. We all discover our smell out there. Don't we? (laughs) Yeah. All right. So back to to my other question before I, I remembered my, my earlier point uh, you did, you do listen to the podcast. I, and I reached out to you on social media. Uh, mm-hmm. you indicated that you did, which was, mm-hmm. it's, it's always cool to me to, to hear from somebody out there who has listened and, and has gotten something out of the, out of the podcast. Do you have any, any favorite episodes? Oh gosh. I mean, there's so many, I feel like what I oftentimes do, I think I stumbled upon across your podcast when I was looking up a trail in particular I feel like that's how it always works right like if you're looking to do some sort of new hike or new something like when I was getting ready to do the Tahoe Rim Trail I just started searching like Tahoe Rim Trail podcast something like people got to be talking on these subjects right Mm -hmm. so I feel like I've listened to a couple related to certain trails or something that I was like interested in looking for so but yeah it's been a while I I spent a long time last summer summer prior nope last summer because yeah last summer in the car a ton so I was just like driving back and forth from Tahoe for nine hours and I'm just listening to podcast after podcast and it was kind of like a nice rotation of all of these hiking podcasts and yeah the thing I love about yours is it just is such a cool it just makes it seem doable, right? It makes through hiking feel doable. I think that there's this huge barrier of like, oh my gosh, hiking the PCT or something like that is so scary. And then all of the guests you have on here, you know, they just talk about how it is. Like they keep it real and talk about how it is. And yeah, it's absolutely hard, but it's also like anybody can do this kind of stuff, you know? Right. All you're doing is you're just uh, packing up the camp. You're putting the gear on your back you're walking for a while and then you're setting up camp and you're going to sleep and then you're doing it all over again. You do that enough times. You, you can cover a lot of distance. Exactly. And just feeding yourself along the way. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the important part. Yeah. All right. Hey, the reason I ask if you listen to the podcast, because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we have that comes towards the end of the episode. It's called the pro tip insight of the week. And at that point, I'll turn to you and I'll say, Cameron, what is your, your pro tip insight of the week? What little piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make sure make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay. I won't be. 
Okay. And in all your travels on the trail, have you picked up a trail name? Um, yeah. So I was just mentioning this earlier. What, like, at what point do you get a trail name, right? Is it like I've hiked X miles on a trail. And so now I get a trail name or something like that. Um, I've had some trail names tossed my way and apparently, you know, it says, uh, we've decided that it's stuck, but I don't know. It's just one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if I earned this or whatever, but my trail name apparently is Pinecone. Pinecone. Yeah. Pinecone. So I have this, like, I'll just be hiking. And every time I see a pine cone, I'm like, Oh, pine cone. And I get so excited and it like makes the day better. And then if I'm like in a rut kind of while we're hiking, I'm like, there's no pine cones. And I'm like frustrated looking around and coincidentally, I mean, or not, but I do have a pine cone tattoo. And so I think it was just kind of like a, you love pine cones and here we are. So yeah. So pine cone just showed her tattoo. So for those of you who are (laughs) listening to the podcast, you have to tune into the YouTube version of this to find out exactly where the pine cone is tattooed. Oh, what a mystery. <laughs> yes. Mystery. That's right. And you know, when you see a pine cone, you go, Oh, a pine cone. I mean, there are certain areas of the trail where there's a lot of pine cones. I mean, are you saying this hundreds of times a day? Um, oh, a pine depends. cone. Oh, a pine cone. Kind of depends. Um, for sure. <laughs> when I'm doing anything like Shasta Trinity area or Tahoe area, like the pine cones are like as big as your head. I'm totally the person who gets super distracted while hiking of like, look at these pine cones, look at these rocks, look at these mushrooms. Like, and sometimes my friends are like, reel it in Cameron, like, come on, we got to get going. And I'm like, but look, so yeah, I mean, and just like, when you think about pine cones, we'll just nerd out on this for a second. I mean, they're just so different in all of these different areas. I live in the Pacific Northwest, you know, they're normally like much smaller than they are down South. So Anyways, so maybe I do wear the name Pinecone. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're going to go with Pinecone for the rest of the podcast here because we go by trail names on, on the podcast. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you talked about gear earlier as well. You made reference to gear and then you talk, you talk gear with, uh, with these women who are coming out and trying to mm-hmm. learn all they can. Um, so we have a, 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 another feature we've been doing is called the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Pinecone, what is your must bring piece of gear? Yeah, I guess define I won't dive deep into the define of basic, but I will say that I advocate for this piece of gear to like all of the women in particular that come on my hikes. And just in general, I do not leave my house without a Kula cloth. Um, Kula cloth is basically for those who don't know a pea cloth um, for women in particular. I mean, we talked about hygiene a little bit earlier. I mean, this thing is a lifesaver for a multi-day hike and uh, it's a women-owned company. It's amazing. And I mean, just strapped right to the back of the backpack and you can use it multi-day and wash it out, you know, maybe in like a lake or something like that as needed. But I think it is a game changer. Game changer. Why don't you spell that for our, our listeners who may not be familiar with it? Yeah, it's Kula, K-U-L-A. And they have a hilarious Instagram. Oh, I am going to have to subscribe to that then. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. Well, hey, let's let's do some more gear discussion here. So on on, what what is your 
what's the longest trip that you've done? How long duration? Mm -hmm. So, um, I did 105 miles of the Tahoe Rim trail. That's technically the longest trail I've done. Mm -hmm. We had to get off due to injury. Okay. And we'll, Um, we'll, we'll explore that a little bit later, but for that 105 mile hike, um, what was your base weight? Yeah. I didn't weigh, unfortunately, before I put all my food and my water in, okay. but I did start with, um, I started with a gallon of water because there was a really particular 30, 30 mile dry stretch ish. So I started with a gallon of water, all my food, and I was packed for like four and a half days, um, before our next resupply. And I was at 24 pounds. So okay. it's pretty good. Yeah. I also was splitting gear with a person though. Like I carried the stove and the tent poles. She carried, you know, part of the tent, but all of it was fairly light. Who carried, who carried the rest of the part of the tent? Um, the person I was hiking the Tahoe Rim trail with. So like, I know, but if she was carrying part of the tent, you carried the other part of the tent. Yeah. So like I had poles, she had, you know, the tent tent part of it, like the fly and all of that. God, I want to make sure you didn't leave part of the tent at home. That would have been very. No, that would be the worst. Yes, I have yet. I'm knocking on wood right now. I have yet to leave like a really crucial piece at home. It's gonna happen, I'm sure, but not yet. Okay. Now to help us with our gear discussion here, I've got uh, a little little segment called hiking pole. Pole is spelled P O L L. Kind of cutesy Mm. there. So hiking pole. Love that. Yeah. Boots or trail runners? Trail runners. Trail runners. Do you have a, a, a favorite brand? Right now I have the Solomon Speedcross fives. I don't, they're comfortable for me. They look like cleats, so I kind of hate that. But outside of that, they're really comfortable. I need something with a particularly high drop. So like ultras have, you know, zero drop. And I used to have Sauconies that um, were really comfortable as well, but I have a lot of Achilles issues. And so having that higher, like you're literally like a 10 millimeter drop. It's kind of wild, but it's what I need. Yeah. Okay. And how about tent or tarp? Tent. Tent. One person, two person. Mm, I just have a two person and we'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk Mm -hmm. about like gear and this whole like women's movement, but I have a two person that I normally rock. Okay. Even when you hike solo? Even when I hike solo, it's still really light. It's like two pounds mm-hmm. something. So I'm not that concerned about it. It's nice to have that extra room, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And like keeping all my stuff in there is nice, especially if, you know, if I am alone, like I'd rather have, you know, maybe my bag inside the tent or something like that. Right. I've, I found that uh, bigger is better when it comes to inclement weather. On the mm-hmm. John Muir Trail this past summer, I was I was trying to go really light. I was ju- just had a bivy. And uh, when it's raining out there, the bivy is not, it's not a good place to hang out. I mean, you just, yeah, it's like a cocoon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Sleeping bag or quilt? I have a bag. Mm-hmm. Jeff is like, he brought a quilt with him to Alaska. And I was like, maybe I could do this. Maybe, maybe not. My biggest concern is I run so cold. So that's why I'm like, I don't know if I could do a quilt. Mm-hmm. Down or, or synthetic? Down down and what is what, what's your bag rated to i have a nemo disco 15 so uh goes down to 15 i do have a summer bag it's a mountain hardware bag that i've had for like years but again i run pretty war- pretty cold when i sleep so even my 15 in the summer like i'll just unzip the thing and you know be laying out of it but 
yeah, the Disco 15 is pretty nice. You had me at Disco. <laughs> it's a fun name. Yes, it is. Okay. And stove or cold soak? Stove. I don't know how people cold soak. I can't do it. I, I gave it a try. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried it once and I just really like ramen is my favorite thing to have on trail. Half the time I'm convinced I only hike because I can eat ramen, right? Like it's an excuse for me to eat top ramen. So yeah, I just love warm ramen when I get done. Who was I talking to recently who uh, said no to top ramen? It was shin ramen. Shin ramen was the the preferred ramen. I, I mean, that's really highly specific, but he, he was- I'm writing this about, down. Yeah. Shit. I am like a big ramen person. Mm-hmm. Like it's, if I'm on an island and there's one thing I'm eating, it's ramen. So I'm going to check this out. Okay. And have you ever had a ramen bomb? I have had a ramen bomb. <laughs> yeah. I have not had a ramen bomb yet. I got, I need to plan that out for next summer. Yeah. Plan it out. <clears throat> not this winter. You're not going to do any winter stuff. Well, maybe we'll see. Hmm, okay. We'll see. I had a dream recently where it was so vivid, so realistic. I was out in the middle of the Sierras during the winter, and it was it was uh, I don't know seven o'clock at night, and snow everywhere, so peaceful, so calm. Maybe that's a signal. Wow! To get out there and you need do this. Premonition. Yes. Yes. Love that. All right. What kind of bag did you use? What kind of backpack? Um. So I also, I keep saying mountain hardware like backstory of this, I work for Columbia Sportswear um, and they, you know, Mountain Hardware, Sorel, Prana is all underneath them. So I get a lot of this gear for a very good price. So I have a Mountain Hardware backpack. Um, initially I was like, okay, well, you know, I could buy a Gossamer gear or something that's like much lighter, but realistically I do so much more just like weekend, you know, 40, 50 mile kind of things versus like really, really crazy long through hike all the time. Is it better for me to kind of save my back and like have something that weighs a pound more with, you know, a better frame and stuff. If I, especially if I get it for cheaper, like, like, yeah. So I have a mountain hardware one. It's called actually the PCT. I think it's a 50 or 45 liter. One of the two, it came out this year. PCT, any desire to do the PCT? I mean, you've got a bag that has that label on it. So I mean, it's gotta be calling to you. Yeah, maybe, you know, I'm at this uh, pivotal moment in life where it's like, I, I feel like I'm like, am I past that part where I like should just quit my job and go do something like that? You know, I don't, I don't really know. I think I would like to do the JMT first for sure and see, make sure that that's something that I like, but heck yeah, it's always a dream. Like I would love to do the PCT or some sort of long one. If I was going to do something long, it would be the PCT versus the AT just because it like hits home so much more. Right. I've spent so much time along the PCT, like in the last few years, just whether I'm traveling through or something that it would be really cool to hike it all. Now this is about episode 120 of the podcast. And Mm -hmm. of those 120 episodes, I've probably done hmm, at least 80 interview shows. Okay. Where I've, you know, I've met somebody, reached out to somebody, have them come on and, and tell their story. And of those 80, I want to say a good, you know, one fourth to one third of them work for outdoor adventure type outlets. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it to, is it to get the discount? So actually, no. Okay. Um, I mean, the discount is great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but for me, I'm just kind of at a point in my life, like prior to working at Columbia, I was at Home Depot. 
And as passionate as I am about hammers and nails, I'm much more passionate about the outdoor industry. And Columbia is a really amazing company as far as like their moral compass and the things that they support. I really support them as well. So like, I'm just at a point where, you know, I could go work, I, working for outdoor companies in general is really awesome for me. For my job in particular, it's important for me to be empathetic towards our end user. And like, I am the end user, right? I understand the struggle of like, you not, you know, being able to enter your credit card information or something because something's going on and you want to buy this jacket and you want to buy it now because it's in stock. I get that. So it's important for me to like relate to my user in some sense. The discount is absolutely nice because we also get discounts with like all kinds of other outdoor companies, but it's just more about like, who is this company? What do they support? Do I back that? You know? Yeah. And I think, I think also with some of our other uh, guess it's been a matter of how do I do something that is fulfilling and keeps me connected to the outdoors in some way, shape, or form. There are so few actual careers in the outdoors themselves that are, are profitable or you know being able to, to subsist on. Um, so I mean, getting involved with outdoor gear, or outdoor travel, or some other types of uh, tangential industries. Um, is very satisfying for folks. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel. I mean, it feels good to be a part of a company that does, you know, a lot, especially even just around like Prana in particular is doing so much for sustainable clothing and sustainable hiking gear and things like that. And just learning more about, you know, the products that they're making their clothing out of and all of that jazz. So it's really cool to be a part of a company that has movements I support. Big shout out to Prana, my favorite pair of hiking pants. They are awesome. They are. My favorite pair of hiking pants are also from them. And that, like, aside from me working there at all, I've tried other brands. I'm not like married to the brands that I work with. Um, and Prana has really good hiking pants. Okay. So let's, uh, let's back up just a little bit here and let's talk about your background growing up, what kinds of sports and hobbies were you involved in growing up and how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say I was the most outdoorsy person growing up by any means. Um, my family has always car camped and, you know, we'd go on bike rides and things like that, but never went backpacking, never, you know, did any of that. Um, I grew up primarily in the Pacific Northwest. I did do a little stint in Alaska in my younger years, but I've been back in Portland um, for the past 12 years or so. But I was like the typical, I was a cheerleader all through college and, you know, kind of fit that stereotype. I did play, you know, volleyball and soccer, but I was like through and through the cheerleader. And my parents, I mean, as I've gotten older and started doing these more adventurous things, like I did a backpacking trip from Cancun down to Belize. And when I told them that I swam in the ocean with sharks, they were like, who is this girl? Like, I don't recognize you. You know, this isn't, you hate bugs, you hate the outdoors. And, you know, I've just evolved and changed. So it's been funny and like kind of fun to just, I almost get excited to tell them about my new adventures because they're like, what? You saw a bear and you were okay. And I, you know, so um, yeah, my background is really like kind of just did the whole high school, college jock thing. And then I found the outdoors. Um, I started hiking a little bit more and then, you know, started dating someone who was really in the outdoor space. And then it just kind of took off from there. Um, okay. Hold that thought. 
Hold yeah. I have questions. I have questions. Ask away. Okay. So volleyball, what was your position in volleyball? I was a setter and a libero. Okay. And I quit after like four years, like from middle school and high school, and then, you know, moved on to cheerleading. Okay. And cheerleading, were you a flyer or a base? I was a back base in high school. When I moved to college, I still was a back base, but then I would also be a middle. Like, you know how some mm-hmm. people, you know, one, two, three, very rarely, but I would sometimes be in the middle. That's right. And you, I think you also said soccer. Yeah. Soccer center, mid, a lot of running, Center mid. Yes. But I'm also right. like convinced that this is really like what built my legs to be the hiking legs that they are today. So I'm here for it. Nice. And what college did you go to? I went to Portland state and Washington state. So yeah, I graduated from Washington state. Okay. Very good. Um, ask those questions. Just, just curiosity. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a high school principal for, for uh, a number of years and very familiar with all the athletics and performing groups, including cheer and volleyball and, and soccer. My own kids played club soccer for many, many years. I spent many a weekend, probably every weekend between their ages of, you know, six years old to, to 18 on the side of a soccer field somewhere in California or Nevada somewhere. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you ever coach? Uh, I tried to stay away from coaching. I, I did some, you know, assistant coaching with baseball with my son for a little bit, okay. but uh, you know, I just, I wanted to be a dad and just kind of yeah. watch. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned that your parents had this reaction of, you know, who is this person who, and what have you done with our daughter? And uh, you know, I, another theme that runs deep throughout the podcast is that our, our time in nature is really transformational. We, yeah. we go in it with one set of experiences and perspective and we come out with something totally brand new and we're, we're changed for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that the biggest thing that like, I, I actually almost feel like sometimes those reactions, those are what really push me to get out there even harder. You know, those are what really push me to do more because it's like, oh, you know, not just my parents in particular, but anybody, right. It's like, Oh, you're getting outside. Like you're doing all of this and you're doing some of it alone. You know, it's almost like, heck yeah, I'm doing this alone. Like watch me do it. You know, uh, it, it empowers me and it just makes me feel so amazing to be out there by myself or even with others and mm-hmm. just being able to like be my own person and know what I'm talking about. Like there was a day I went fishing and I was supposed to go to my parents for dinner that night. And I was like, Hey dad, like, did you get anything for dinner tonight? And he said, no. And I said, well, I caught a fish this morning. I'll fillet it at lunch and bring it over. And he was like, excuse me. And he was like, did somebody else catch it? And I was like, okay, now I'm offended. No, (laughs) nobody else caught it. Thanks. Nice. I did have, uh, I have to confess. I had a guilty pleasure this summer. We had just finished the, the Southern half of the John Muir trail. So we did 125 miles in about eight or nine days. And as we're finishing the trail in Whitney portal, we're coming down and we're seeing a bunch of day hikers, you know, out, out for the day, just kind of exploring. And, uh, one of them asked me, Hey, where'd you, where'd you start? You know, think and his, he asked the question thinking I was going to say, I started, you know, Whitney base camp or something that was yeah. just, you know, five, seven miles away. And I said, yeah, it started, started in Fresno. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, Fred, that, that reaction, just that was the guilty pleasure right there. Just seeing people's faces when you, you tell them a location that's 125 miles away and they're like, they don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. And yeah, I have friends like 
the friends that were helping me on the Tahoe Rim Trail, like resupply kind of thing, um, which I could have re resupplied at a store, but I had friends who were living in Truckee and they were like, so like, why are you doing this again? What's the point? You know, they're, why would you put yourself through that? You know, and it just, it kind of gets you, gets you going. You're like, heck yeah, I'm doing this and it's cool. Yes. And one more question before we go to our first break. And that is, when did you realize that backpacking was a thing? Not just car camping, but putting everything you know, on your back and going from point A to point B. When did I realize it was a thing? Did you, do you remember that moment? I don't know if I realized, like, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I remember there was a time when I was in Alaska and we had like four wheeled up to some random, it's so funny because I was talking with Jeff about this, that like, we just went to Alaska and I said, you know, when I lived here, I had like zero fear. I, we would, you know, decide we're going to go camping at 10 or 11 at night because it's sunny at 10 or 11 at night and climb up this mountain on a four wheeler or something and pop like a, you know, car camping type situation. Cause we just hauled it in. And I remember seeing a group of people out there and being like, what are they doing? And someone said, you know, Oh, they're backpacking. And I was like, people do that. Why, you know, like, why would you put yourself through that? And I didn't think it was cool then by any means, like it wasn't something that I was like, Oh yeah, I definitely want to do this all the time. You know? Um, but I do remember like, that was the first time I probably had like seen backpackers in the wild, I guess you could say. In the wild. Um, That's a good term. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't until I did my very first backpacking trip that I was like, Oh, this is, this is a thing and this is cool. And I want to do it. Yeah. One, one, a great example is I was talking to Elliot Pacheco who goes by beats and he mm -hmm. lives on the East coast near the Appalachian trail. And he was out, uh, one day and saw this guy who was, you know, not that maybe 50 yards away. And he's like, what? that guy looks homeless. I mean, what, what, what's going on there? And so he called out to the guy and the guy said, come on over here. And, and so they got to talk and he realized that he wasn't homeless. He was, he was actually a through hiker doing the Appalachian trail. So that was the first time that he learned about backpacking and that there was a trail that goes from Georgia to Maine, which just blew his mind. So. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a good story. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more from Pinecone about how she, uh, I hear about the relationship and, and uh, it broke up and you were at that, that crossroads of, do I keep doing this or do I not? And we'll see. Well, I think we already know what the decision is that she made. <laughs> we'll hear more about it. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long.
The John Freakin' Muir Pod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Pinecone. We heard about her background and we know that she was involved in a relationship where she had a little more exposure to the outdoor experience, but then that went sour and she had to make a choice of whether she was going to leave that life behind or if she was going to continue on and uh, develop her outside skills. So what do you want to share from, from that whole episode of your life? Yeah, I actually try to be pretty transparent about this piece um, mostly because tying it back to kind of Instagram and like, you know, this whole highlight reel, like, this probably happens to all kinds of people, men and women. Right. But I was in a situation where, you know, I was in this relationship and we would do a lot of really fun things. Um, but there was a lot of moments where it was like, we were doing these fun things and going, we were summiting mountains, we were backpacking a bunch and he just wasn't always operating in the safest manner. And oftentimes I would be a little overly cautious. And there was kind of just some like, you're being a scaredy cat, you're, you know, come on, like you can do it. Just, you need to try harder or why are you so scared? Um, you know, chill out, like those kind of comments that are just so degrading, especially when you're out in the elements, you're outside, you are not in your comfort zone. And so hearing things like that is really hard for someone who is new to the space and like trying to get comfortable. And naturally, you know, you're with a partner and it's kind of like, oh gosh, you know, I don't want to or maybe you're with other people. Like oftentimes we'd be with groups of people and maybe I was the weak link and it was kind of like, come on, Cameron, like you can, you know, suck it up. Let's go. And I'm just, oh, just so tough. Mm-hmm. And so when we got out of that, naturally, when you get out of a relationship where you're constantly kind of hearing those things, they stick with you. You know, it's like, man, can I go outside? Like, can I go on hikes by myself? Can I summit this mountain? Do I have the skills? Like, do I have the knowledge? And So I really found myself kind of second guessing a lot, but also what it helped me realize is like, okay, even if, you know, maybe you aren't prepared to get out there, but what can you do to prepare yourself? Like 
what kind of, you know, again, classes can you take or can you watch a bunch of YouTube videos or something like that to help you understand how to be safer outside, you know? And so I kind of started not from ground zero, but like he would carry, you know, more of our weight or he would maybe carry like the stove in the tent or something. Like I was pretty spoiled. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> I, you know, that was kind of nice, but like, how do I make sure that I have all of my own gear and can, and can survive out there by myself? Like, okay, I'm deathly afraid of, like, I'm the person that's way more afraid of animals than I am of people actually. Um, Cause I feel like people either go like one or the other and, you know, having him with me was always like a, all right, if a bear comes, I feel safe. And now it's just me. So like, how can I prepare myself? What can I do to help myself feel safe? Um, so yeah, I had to make this decision and really I started kind of dabbling into it a little bit more. And then finally I was like, once again, bringing it back to this whole feeling empowered. I was like, look at me now. Like you thought I couldn't get outside and not that I'm just trying to, you know, push that in someone's face by any means, but it just made me feel better. Like it made me realize I'm not that person. I'm not, you know, too slow or I'm not, you know, being, you know, silly for wanting to take a step back and reevaluate a situation. Like, I just want to make sure that we're all safe in the backcountry, in a lot of outdoor situations, you know, you're kind of only as strong as the weakest person that's with you. And I don't mean weak in the sense of like physically, but also like knowledge, right. Um, and slipboarding, you know, or any like backcountry travel with avalanche terrain, you can't go in areas where, you know, somebody isn't trained in that space because if an avalanche happens, right. They can't help you. So similar in the outdoor space, like you have to be knowledgeable and, you know, that kind of starts from like ground zero, talk about 10 essentials, talk about, you know, certain things that you can help yourself to get outside. And so that's when I really was like, all right, I'm, I'm going for it. And I just dove in and was like, yeah, I can get out here and I'm not a scaredy cat and I can do all this stuff by myself. And it feels amazing. Now, before we get to what resources you use to prepare yourself for that, that step, I want to tell you something about bears. Now, Cameron okay. Pinecone, you, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than the person you're hiking with. That's absolutely right? fair. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, when Jeff and I were just in Alaska, like we were actually encountering more moose than anything. And, you know, which we were talking about, how do you properly handle a moose if they're charging you? Um, which I, I think I knew this from some something else but you know he just kind of reminded me but do you know how to handle a moose so that is a great question and i have said before that there is lots of information out there about what to do when you encounter a bear but there is not as much information about what to do when you encounter a moose and i think statistics bear out that the moose is the deadlier animal i think that the moose are like more interested in you maybe so like maybe that's what it is um, moose are scary. They're huge. They are large animals. Yes. Yes. So and what do I you mean, do? What, what do you do when, when, a, when a moose approaches you? Um, if a moose is actually like coming, coming for you, it's like, all right, I'm going to charge you. Right. First of all, you should never approach, approach a moose. I had a situation when I was in Alaska where I was like kind of up at the top of a trailhead coming down and there was a moose, you know, in the just standing in the middle of the trail, like grazing on some stuff on the side. And we seriously stood there for maybe like 30 minutes, just kind of waiting for it to like move away. Um, and finally this random person came running out of the thing and was like, have you never seen a moose before? It's fine. And I was like, we're, 
are you from like Florida? No, what? I was like, why are you running towards a moose? This is crazy. But anyways, you went straight is, for Florida there, didn't you? Well, you I was Florida? like, does it have moose? <laughs> you know, I was just like the farthest place from Alaska where people don't encounter moose all the time. Um, but when a mo- if a moose is charging you, you're actually supposed to run in like zigzags. So they can't make, you know, like a 90 degree turn quickly by any means. So like run in zigzags and like hide behind a tree type situation. This sounds like a Will Ferrell movie. Are you sure about that? I'm serious. Yeah. I'm serious. I've heard that same argument to <laughs> with uh, alligators running running a zigzag because oh. they can't they can't turn are you corners. From Florida? I'm not from Florida, but I have talked to some people who are from Florida. Um, most memorably was the was uh, a woman who fell in love with somebody on the Appalachian Trail who was from Florida. Oh. So she went down and did the Florida Trail with him. And part of it, they went through this swamp and they're, they're wading through waist deep water. And that is my literal nightmare. <laughs> yes. Mine too. And she said to me with a, with a straight face that uh, the boyfriend had said, Oh yeah. Alligators aren't interested in you. Don't worry about it. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're like, you know, puppy dogs. They don't, they, they don't, they're not, they're not interested. And I'm like, I am not sure that is the truth. I, I would not be walking through waist deep water in the Florida swamps. I feel like he was just trying to make her feel better or something <laughs> because I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I've never been to Florida. Can't, can't speak to that. Okay. So zigzag, zigzag, yeah. uh, directional running. If you are mm-hmm. being pursued by a moose. I mean, have you ever seen a moose like be running and then just like pivot and turn stop on a dime? No, I have not. Yeah. I have not. I'm going to go with it. If, if that happens, I'm, that's what I'm going with. I'm going to say pinecone okay. told me zigzag. Yeah. That's what I would go with. Or I guess like if you could easily climb a tree, it's not like they're climbing anything. Yeah. And did, did legend tell you his moose story? Um, I, I mean, I'm sure that we've talked about it and I probably read about it in his book and all of that good stuff. When he was on the great Western loop. Yeah. Didn't the moose like run towards him and he hid behind a tree? He was, well, he, he was not that far from a town and he came across, on the trail. He saw these antlers and he thought, oh man, look at this. These would be great on my wall. And so he says, I'm going to pick up these antlers and carry them to town. I'll ship them to my house and you know, I'll mount them back at my house. And so he reaches down to, to grab the antlers only to find that they're still attached to a, a, a live bull moose. Oh my gosh. No, I did not hear this. Story. Oh, fantastic story. I'm going to ask him about it. Yeah. He said he, he had to dive into the underbrush. Not sure if it was a zigzag dive, but he dove into the under, underbrush to uh, avoid the moose. That's hilarious. No, I need to ask him about this. <laughs> All right. And so we heard a little, little bit earlier about um, how your experience and, and uh, moving on from the relationship, but still continuing your relationship with the outdoors and doing your research, what, were your, what, what kind of resources did you access to help prepare yourself? Yeah, I mean, a lot of YouTube, a lot of YouTube mm-hmm. stuff, and then a lot of like following other really influential, in my opinion, women, you know, in the outdoor space and the things that they do to get outside. I mean, I think like probably one of the first things I Googled, which is funny to me today, just being in the space that I am, but like how to stay protected in the outdoors as a female, right? One of like the number one questions I get asked by other women is like, do you carry a gun when you're out there? Do you carry mace? Do you, you know, how are you Mm -hmm. 
protecting yourself out there kind of thing. So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of YouTube stuff in particular, if I'm going to a certain area, um, I try to do, you know, a fair amount of research before I get there. So, um, but just in general around gear and stuff like that, I mean, there's all kinds of reviews, right? I would kind of get like an inkling of oh, it looks like, and it sounds like on podcasts. So I should say that as well, like podcasts, of course, I mean, your podcast, other ones that are also in this space are super helpful. I mean, you could listen to any of them and the gear that everyone lists off, you can find some commonalities there and figure out what works for you. So yeah, I would say those. Yeah, some great, great, uh, strong women out there who are doing amazing things. I don't know if you've seen their YouTube channels or uh, Instagram accounts, Little Skittle. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rocket. That's great. Julia Sheehan, um, Rocket. I don't know if I've seen Rocket. Okay, and uh, Elena Osborne goes by Tip Tap. Yep, I've seen Tip Tap. That Thanks. was a really good podcast. I like that one. Yeah. Thanks. She was, she's from New Zealand. Outstanding mm-hmm. interview. A lot of fun, but uh, just doing amazing things out there. And and what is the answer to, to that question? Cause I know it gets asked a lot, not just of, of women, but it gets asked if I, if I tell somebody I was out in the, in the high country um, back country for, for days on end, you know, miles from anybody, you know, do you carry a weapon? You know, what, what do you have a, do you have a gun? And so mm-hmm. what, what is your answer to that question? Um, I do not, I do not carry my gun on any, any, I mean, that's heavy. That's right. That's extra weight, right? It's heavy. Um, which is like, probably not the answer that most people, most people are going to be like, Oh, I'll carry the weight, you know, if I feel protected and you know what, if that's what helps you feel protected, go for it. That's like, my other thing is I don't, I don't want anybody to feel discouraged by like, you know, there's all this stuff with gear and this idea that like, oh, if I don't have these things or whatever, and I'm going to be really uncomfortable, I buy this tarp, I buy this, you know, or a bivy or a, you know, quilt, and I'm freezing my butt off out there. Like I'm not comfortable. And then you don't want to get outside. So if a gun, you know, if that's, what's going to help you like feel safer and you want to carry the weight, go for it. I personally have never carried a gun on the trail with me. I do oftentimes have bear spray unless I forgot it. Um, but most of the time I have bear spray with me. Like I had it on me when I did the Tahoe Rim Trail. I've done hiking in Glacier. You know, we came across a grizzly in Glacier. So like I was stoked that I had bear spray with me just in case nothing happened. Um, but that also acts like if when I do backpack alone or something, that also acts for me kind of as like my personal, you know, it's just like mace. But mm-hmm heavier duty. So, you know, I just sleep with it in my tent and make me feel a little bit better, but I've never carried a gun on trail, nor will I ever. And it kind of like bums me out when people, I openly state on, you know, social media that like, I don't carry a gun and people will just be hammering my DMs. You should carry, like, you should, here's an example of like why you should carry, you know, look at this person getting attacked by a cougar. And I'm like, if a cougar is going to attack me, I'm out. Like I'm, I'm dying that way. That's how I'm going. So Like, I probably wouldn't even hear them attacking me to begin with. They've probably been stalking me for a while. And, you know, some people are like, I never want to hike in a space that has animals that could threaten me. And I'm like, where are you hiking? Because I don't know of those spaces, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, everywhere is probably going to have some sort of animal that could be a threat in some sense, but like, just handle it properly. I, you know, the, the thing that I 
have loved about this year is I've come across a fair amount of bears just this year alone. It's like every time I come across a bear, I get more comfortable. And so why I don't need a gun, you know? Yeah. yeah. And question for you, bigger, bigger concern, uh, animal predators or human predators? Um, animals for sure. I, I think I sit in that, like people either go one of two ways. They're either really afraid of people or really afraid of animals. And I'm really afraid of animals. Um, I've only had one negative experience with a person and it wasn't even on trail. It was like a car camping kind of situation. So I'm not really, I'm not concerned about people. And I don't know if that also stems from like me being a like bigger, like taller woman kind of thing. Like I'm five, nine and I'm not the smallest woman in the world versus like a five foot tall, really tiny woman who's hiking by herself. Like maybe she feels a little less Mm -hmm. safe or something like that. Whereas I'm like, I'm just kind of big and I'm here and I don't know. So I'm not afraid of people as much as I am. I I do trust my intuition though. Like I know, you know, how to handle those situations. So, yeah. And I don't want to represent that, that uh, no bad thing has ever happened on the trail, but my experience on the trail and my experience talking with people who have had a lot of time on the trail is that the hiking community is generally very positive and supportive and helpful. Uh, You're telling strangers some of your most darkest secrets within five minutes of of meeting them and uh, doing what you can to support each other out there. Uh, And it's usually the stories that I've heard uh, about negative experiences with people have been in towns or on hitches. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't personally come across again, like a single negative, like really, I mean, sure. I'll pass somebody on trail who like, doesn't say hi or, you know, something like that, but I have never come across somebody who's made me feel uncomfortable or, you know, that I don't feel safe. And even when I am backpacking, like alone, I mean, the last time I went backpacking, I think I camped not too far from like two or three men and I didn't feel unsafe by any means. And they knew I was there alone. We'd both been in our camps for like hours. So, you know, I just don't ever, everybody in the hiking community is just so nice and so like willing to help and giving off, you know, you're always willing to like help someone out in need. And that's, I think the amazing thing about the people who do want to get outside, right. They're, they're there for the same reason as you. Yeah. And before the, the negative comments start coming in through social media or the negative reviews, uh, Hey, we acknowledge that bad things have happened out on the trail, but we're not trying to be Pollyanna here, but the, the vast majority of people out there are a very, very positive element out there. So. Yeah. And I'm only speaking from my experience, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I did mention that like I had a not so fun situation happen in a car camping thing and I felt super uncomfortable and I just took the right, like, literally slept inside of the car instead of on my rooftop tent, because that's what made me feel better. Nothing happened, but it's also about trusting your intuition. You know, when I am, I talk about this on some of the guided hikes that I do. Like if I come across a male who is like, Oh, are you, are you out here by yourself? You know, I think that oftentimes men don't really realize that that could be a scary situation for a female, you know, I, I'm miles from my car. I'm miles from civilization. I don't have cell phone service. Like it's not, I don't think they ever have like ill intentions, but I do try to be like, Oh, I have a friend just behind me, you know, not too far. Or like, Oh, my friend's just up ahead. I'm meeting them, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. You don't, 
and I'm not saying like go out there and lie, but I am saying like, that's just what I do to feel safe and feel better versus like, maybe if I sit down and I'm chatting with, you know, hikers, like maybe we're leapfrogging kind of thing. Of course, you know, they kind of know what's up and we'll kind of be like, all right, see you at this spot and we'll have a pop chart together or something. But you know, it just becomes all friendly banter and not too much concern. Okay. Now we have heard from you a uh, reference to the, the rim trail, Tahoe rim trail, and also Alaska with legends. So you have any, any, uh, let's hear about the, the Tahoe rim trail, because I understand that you got pulled off because of injury. What happened there? Yeah. Um, and when, when was this? This was the week of July 4th. So we started on like 2021. July, yes. 2021. Okay. Um, yeah, 2021 this last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided, I think last Christmas time, I was like, you know, I love the Tahoe area. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. And I said, the Tahoe Rim Trail would be a really cool like intro to see if I like this through hiking thing, right? I, I listen to the PCT um, podcast and AT podcast like all the time and I'm so invested in it. Let's check out the Tahoe Rim Trail. Seems doable. I do work a nine to five job with limited PTO. So it's like, this is a great little chunk. Um, pre Tahoe rim trail. I was like, I need to, because we are kind of on a time budget. So the, the gal that I did the Tahoe rim trail with, she had less flexibility than me. So it was like, we need to complete this bad boy in 10 days at the most. And for those of you who don't know the Tahoe rim trail is 165 miles. So we need to kind of average 16 and a half miles a day, totally, you know, doable. But we also were like, It'd be nice if we got done earlier and then we're not like sitting in this little time crunch. Mm-hmm. The gal that I hiked with, her name is Spreadsheet for a reason. Because spreadsheet. She nice. is spreadsheet queen. And anytime something would go awry, I'd be like, this is not on the spreadsheet. You did not factor this in. Um, just to like give her a hard time. But for those yeah, of, so- for those people who are not hikers out there who listen to this episode and are saying, well, spreadsheet, what does that have to do with anything? I, I think that, you know, for me, planning a hike is, is half the fun. And I know that mm-hmm. people take deep, deep dives into doing their planning and research and logistics and putting together their spreadsheets. Um, and so uh, she sounds like a planner. She is a planner. And mm-hmm. particularly for the Tahoe Rim Trail, it was important because this year was extremely dry. Um they had dried up a lot of like the water sources had dried so quickly in the year. And again, like I mentioned, like we were running into a bunch of dry stretches. Like there was a stretch that there was literally no water for like 30 plus miles. And, you know, so we, we were having a plan. We were having to make a plan Mm -hmm. and she is the planner. So I was letting her do that. But what we were ending up doing is kind of averaging anywhere from 16, I think actually like 15 was our least amount of day or least amount of miles in a day. And that was on like day four or five day one, we did like 22 miles day two. We did, you know, wow. Hit it hard from the beginning. Yeah. But pre pre Tahoe rim trail, we were putting in like 40 or 50 mile weekends every weekend. Like we were like, we want to be prepared. We want to feel like we know what we're doing. Like we're going to get out there and hit the ground running. So did, you know, multiple weekends of that. And as soon as we started the Tahoe Rim Trail, everything was great, hanging out. We get to day three. And at this point, at the end of day three, was it four? I don't know, but mile 54, 
is basically when I was like, you know, I'm having some really intense Achilles pain. Like this sucks. I don't like it. I'm going to start Googling how much ibuprofen I can take in a day (laughs) and like how I can like stretch and, you know, do all of this stuff. And finally by mile 105, which was on day six, I think. And we had to like slow down and, you know, take a lot more breaks and things like that. I was like in tears on like straight up took a top of an ibuprofen bottle cap, wrapped it in gauze and wrapped it in Kate, like one piece of KT tape that I had and put it in the bottom of my shoe to like fashion a wedge so that like my Achilles wasn't like on touching the back of my shoe and anything like that. So it was just really gnarly. And it was one of those decisions where it was like, my body is failing me. It's not that I am like physically unable or mentally unable to do this, but it just literally felt like the last two days that I had been hiking, I was just so hyper-focused on my injury instead of like enjoying why I was out there to begin with, that it just wasn't really worth it for me. And an Achilles is such a like, if this snaps, I'm, you know, done. Like the rest of my year for sure is done. And so, you know, I kind of reached out to a couple friends and said, oh gosh, what should I do? And we decided to make the decision to get off the trail. And in retrospect, I'm actually really happy I did it because it took me all summer. Like I did the next weekend after that, I tried to do like a very short six mile in backpacking trip. Mile one, it was like, no way girl. So you know, I knew it wasn't just like a one-time thing. And it's something that I've been rehabbing ever since. Like I, I did my PT stretches today and <laughs> all of that jazz. So I think it was just something that I stressed it out, you know, really quickly and was trying to move too fast. That was something I learned too. like take longer breaks. You got all day to hike. I mean, we would start at 7am and get to camp by like four at the latest. And it was like, we could have been hiking way longer. Mm-hmm. And slower. More breaks. Right. And slower. Yeah. yeah. Like we were leapfrogging with this group of PCT hikers and they were like, your pace is insane. What are you doing? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Lesson learned. Okay. Yep. And where did you start on the trail? We started in Tahoe city okay. and went uh, clockwise. clockwise. And we did that um, because that way in particular was just going to work out better for like, the tower room Charlie basically have service the whole way I mean and we were like if something goes awry in the very beginning like we want to be able to reach out to someone b we want to get these weird water caches out of the way first so we actually had to like get there a day early and cache water at certain spots which this will be one of my funny stories here in a little bit but you know we had to do a bit of that and we were like let's just get that out of the way first before we get to desolation wilderness which is like a treat and then, you know, we'll finish out, go out with a bang. Didn't make it to desolation. Oh, no, you didn't make it to desolation? Yeah, so, like, right where we stopped, which uh-huh. we stopped in South Lake, um, that's right where Desolation Wilderness right. basically begins. But that was also kind of why we made this decision. Like, it's basically like a one-way-in, one-way-out kind of situation. And right. I was like, I am already in so much pain. I do not want to put myself in a situation where we're, like, where I literally just can't walk, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I've already done, you know, this started at mile 54. We're now at mile one Oh five. I've already done 50 miles of this. And I am like in excruciating pain. So I don't know if this is, you know, the move for me. Yeah. I want to do the Tahoe rim trail uh, one day and desolation wilderness sounds just like an epic place to 
to visit. So I'm looking forward to I that. Know. Tell us yeah. the, tell us the, the funny water cash story. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I went there with my spreadsheet who, um, was, uh, I had to work. So I work remotely and, you know, I can work kind of from wherever. So we were like, okay, here's a game plan. We're driving down to Tahoe. I'm going to work from a coffee shop. You're going to drive and do the water caches that you need to do. Um, so she takes my vehicle and is like, I should be back in like an hour. Both of these are like 17 minutes away. No biggie. She's taking forever. I'm like, this is weird. It's like two hours at this point. And she didn't have service. And it was kind of weird. She finally gets back to me and she's like, okay, I cashed the water in two different spots. You know, the first one's going to be at mile 20. The second one will be for the next day at mile, whatever that might be. And we were like, okay, sounds good. So we, uh, she was like, I had to go down a really weird Jeep road and I have a Subaru Crosstrek. It's not a Jeep. She was like, I had to go down the sketchy road. I did not feel comfortable at all. Like I was going over all these rocks, whatever. So we go out to dinner that night. And when I get in my car, my, we're supposed to start on trail the next morning at like 7am, my tire pressure light turned on. And I was like, I probably have a nail in this. And, you know, spreadsheets feeling all bad. She's like, oh my gosh, you know, okay, let's pump up the tire when we get back to the house and, you know, we'll figure it out. So we throw some air in the tire. And I was just like, you know, if this is like a slower leak or something, I can take care of it when we get off trail, we go to start the trail in the morning. My tire is like at the rim, like it's flat, flat. And I was like, it's 4th of July weekend. It's hot. This can't sit on a rim for, you know, a whole week. So I'm panicking about that. The girl that was resupplying us was like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. We hop on trail and we start hiking. So spreadsheets already feeling a little bit of like guilt around this hole. Cause she was like, I shouldn't have driven down that road. I'm so sorry. Like that's probably what did it. We get to where our water cache is supposed to be 20 miles in. And she's like, this isn't where I dropped the water. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me, what do you mean? And you know, this is a very popular crossing. It's like literally off the, off the main, like highway type thing there. And she's like, no, this isn't, this isn't it. And she starts looking up on her phone and apparently there's like three or four different trails that are kind of, it's kind of like one of those like trailhead North trailhead South trailhead, whatever. And the water that we are trying to get is six miles farther than where we were at. And we were like, okay, we got to make a decision here. Like we have no water. We're literally at no water at this point. It's, it was like 90 degrees that day. It was so hot. And we were like, okay, luckily tons of other people cash water at this spot and put like free for use or like, you know, they've taken their share and put free for use. So thank goodness we had that. We hike up to our spot to get to camp and I'm like, okay, well at least, you know, we can get some of that water tomorrow and then we'll have the other water you cash later in the day. She looks at her phone and looks up and she goes, both of the waters, one of them is at six miles and the other one is at like eight miles or something. And I'm like, so you're telling me we don't even need the second water. Like I have a flat tire and yeah, it was just like this whole thing that was kind of like a series of misfortunate events right from the beginning. It all worked out, but oh gosh, caching water. So silly. So I'm sure that spreadsheet is very sweet. But not yeah. sure that logistics is her uh, is her in her wheelhouse there. I'm not sure that you know maybe maybe spreadsheet should not be the the trail name. <laughs> She's done so much. You know that was just like a <laughs> fluke. You know I I still totally trust her to do all of those things, and it was just a mistake on her part. Like 
and totally in it. I mean, anybody could have driven down that road. I did have two nails in my tire. They had to, you know, plug the tire or whatever, but it was like, anybody could have done that. It wasn't your fault at all. And the water thing, you know, it's kind of your fault, but we figured it out and it's okay. I'm pretty good at like, I had a friend forget sleeping bags once when we were car camping and I was just like, all right, I guess we're cuddling. I don't know. I don't want to drive home. That sounds not fun. So we're just going to figure it out, you know? Roll with it. Got to make yeah. on, the, on the fly adjustments and spreadsheet. I, I'm, I'm not being serious. I'm just pulling your leg, having a little fun at your expense. So yeah. don't take it personal. <laughs> she will. I'm sure she's an, she is a phenomenal hiking partner. I'm sure you've experienced this where like you find a person that like you hike really, really well with that's her. She's awesome. Okay. High recommendation from Pinecone. Yes. Very anybody, high. anybody needs a hiking buddy, reach out to spreadsheet. Yeah. Okay. Hey, um, tell me a little bit about your time with, with uh, legend in Alaska. What'd you guys do? Yeah. So that was a very spur of the moment thing. Uh, this I think speaks to both of our characters. When we met, we met for a beer, um, you know, that first time when he was in town, um, he was here for PCT days and, you know, we just met up for a beer. He was asking me something about like where my favorite city is. And I said, oh my gosh, it's Homer, Alaska. Like I used to live in Alaska and it's so beautiful and I want to go back. And he's like, let's go. And I said, okay, mind you, I met, when was PCT days? End of August. Like Mm -hmm. I just met Jeff end of August. So I was just like, yeah let's go. And so we booked a ticket. Like he sent me tickets literally the next morning and was like, should we book these or not? And I'm like, heck yeah, let's do it. So very spur of the moment. I mean, we only went for eight days, but legend being legend, like we hiked every day. We, you know, got outside every single day. It was really fun. Um, we didn't really make a game plan. The game plan was like renting a car. We're probably going to go North for a little bit. And then we're going to go South for a little bit. We're going to bring all of our backpacking stuff and go from there, like very free form. So we slept in the back of the car a lot and, you know, it was very cold, got down to like 13 degrees while we were there. So, um, and Alaska already has quite a bit of snow. So did, did he forget but, the sleeping bags? No, he did not. Okay. I was, I was, I was going to ask if there was cuddling going on. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, and he, he did not have, so he only brought trail runners, classic. And like only one pair of trail runners. And so his, you know, like, I'm like, we're in Alaska. There's like feet of snow on the ground and you have trail runners, which I get, but it was like, you could have brought two. We're not like through hiking right now. Um, Just because his feet were like soaking wet every single day. And he also like on top of us going on hikes every day, he would at some point be like, I'm going to go for a run and just go on like a 10 to 14 mile run. Sounds like okay. legend. Yeah. Sounds just like him. So it was a really awesome time. Like it was super cool getting to, you know, go and experience a place that I once lived. And like, I think, you know, he would speak to this, like I got to drive through my old town and see, you know, where I used to live and just also experiencing, like I lived here. I don't even remember it being this beautiful. So this is amazing. And yeah, we had an awesome time. Just a lot of hiking, hit some hot springs. Um, that kind of stuff is awesome. Okay. And you saw some bears and some moose? We did not see any bears, but okay. we did see moose. The, num- the number is uh, a little suspect. I think we saw groups of the same moose. So yeah, we saw a couple moose. I mean, we were hiking in a spot that 
there wasn't really anybody else hiking there. And, you know, there was very fresh moose tracks. So I was a little, you know, nervous and it was sunset. And I'm like, I don't love the idea of hiking in the dark with like all these moose tracks that are very fresh around us. And then sure enough, so we ended up like camping in that area right where we hiked just car camping. And when we were like driving to find a spot, you know, here come three moose just right there. This is the best part. So we'd like go find somewhere completely else to park the car. And Jeff just hops up, legend just hops out of the car and he's like, I'll be back in six minutes and just is running towards the moose. And I'm like, okay, dude, I'm not saving you. I don't, he was like going back to go take more videos. I don't know. Crazy guy. So yeah, lots of moose, lots of bald eagles, lots of wildlife, but like pretty safe, safe distance. I mean, they came through like by our camp, but we're by a car. So it wasn't that big a deal. Didn't see any out while we were on actual hikes. Right. Now, another large animal is the bison. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know if you know this, but there is a trail on an island off the coast of Southern California. Island's called Catalina. Yeah. And there is the Trans Catalina Trail. And there are bison on Catalina, uh, leftovers from a Western movie that was filmed there, I think in the fifties. Yeah. And they decided not to bring the bison back. They, they, they brought them over there for the movie and then they just left them there. Uh-huh. And so the bison still continue to be there, but I've hiked the, the trans Catalina trail a couple of times and there are signs everywhere to say, you know, stay this far away from, from the bison. Now, of course the bison can't read that. So, you know, you wake up in the morning in your camp and they're coming through your camp. So it's, they are, they are spectacular animals, but uh, it, it's pretty sketch. So I can, I can imagine. Yeah, what do you do if you encounter a bison? I'm going to say that you run zigzag. Is that the correct answer? <laughs> Maybe that. Yeah. I don't yes. know. Yeah. But like you with the car and be able to keep the car between you and the moose. Um, I'm, I'm always looking for the nearest tree or uh, outbuilding on, on Catalina to keep between me and the, the bison. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, don't they have a lot of foxes on that trail too? You know, that I did read about the foxes, but I don't think I ever saw one. Oh, okay. That's and when I told my, things. when I told my parents, I was doing the, the trans Catalina, my, my stepfather told me to watch out for the, the javelinas, the, uh, the wild pigs. And oh. they were, they were mean. I actually did some reading on it and they were, they are mean and vicious, but luckily for me, they had, they had, uh, uh relocated them off of the Island. They got to be so much of a problem that they, I don't know if they hunted them down or if they, they relocated. Oh gosh. Them. So, Sad. But there are, there are like no that. more there. Yeah. Bummer. All right. Hey, how many, how, I, I feel like we're running out of time, but there's so much I want to, I want to talk to you about. Tell me about summiting Mount Adams. And I also want to hear about the fire lookouts. Yeah. Uh, summiting Mount Adams. That was actually my very first backpacking trip ever. Mm-hmm. Like first time I had ever like slept outside overnight, like carrying all my stuff. Um, which is kind of funny in retrospect, but yeah, that's a, it's a really cool mountain summit. It's not technical. Um, and sorry, I don't mean to say that to like discount it. I guess I'm just putting it in perspective of like other mountains that are close, like Rainier, which is, you know, very technical Mm -hmm. and, um, much more technical, at least than Adams. So yeah, Adams is one. I'm sure, I'm sure Mount Adams is not offended. Okay. Well, I just yeah. didn't want anybody, you know, that's also no, a I thing to be like really mindful of is just people, you know, who are like, Oh, it's really hard for me. I, you know, I don't want to feel like I go slow or, you know, anyways. Got it. Um, yeah. Summoning Matt Adams. That was really fun. We actually didn't realize that like when we got to lunch counter, which is like the halfway summit that we 
weren't going to have a water source. Um, I don't know why we thought that there was like some sort of water source up there, but there wasn't outside of snow. And we were like, oh, we really don't want to boil a bunch of snow um, to make that happen. So we took our rain fly off, gathered a bunch of like huge rocks that had been sitting in the sun all day and scooped a bunch of snow into the rain fly and put the rocks in there let them sit for like an hour and we got like five gallons of water and we were like offering it to people around us we were like hey do you guys want this like water this innovative water. very good yeah yeah it was a innovation you know you got to mm-hmm. do what you got to do out there just like i talked about the ibuprofen cap putting it in my shoe to like make it better you know you make it happen gotta adjust on the fly yeah and then the fire lookouts i mean I try to stay in those as often as I can, for sure. Uh, I don't think that there is, I mean, people see them all the time, but people are always like, oh my gosh, how did you get that? How did you book that? And I'm like booking those suckers out nine months in advance. It's pretty intense. So they're amazing though. And they have so much history. I'm a part of the Northwest Fire Lookout Association, which you should be a part of it too. <laughs> Anybody listening, it's a really amazing um uh, program and you know fire lookouts are just so crazy like they once upon a time there was over 8,000 of them in the U.S. and now those numbers are just dwindling and not necessarily because they're being torn down or something but say that land gets bought or mm-hmm. something like that what they often do is tear it down and then either completely discard it or they bring it to um, you know some sort of state park or something like that for them to utilize and like rebuilding some of that but they're amazing structures. And if you ever get the opportunity to stay in one, 10 out of 10 recommend. Now, how does one go about booking a fire lookout? I didn't know that was yeah. a thing. When you said, when, when somebody asked you, how did, how, did you, how did you book that? I thought you were going to make some comment about, you know, I got there first or something, but I didn't know there's actually a, a reservation process. There are ones that are, I got there first. There is a lot of first come first serve. And, you know, that's unfortunately, unfortunately and fortunately, they're in hard to get places. Most of the ones that I'm going and staying at are in like Montana and they're in like a town that's outside of a town in Montana. So, you know, not as easy to get to. So it's like, if you're doing the first come first serve option, you kind of want to know if you're going to get it right. Like I don't want right. to drive out there five hours, hike up and then not get it. That sucks. So I have a feeling though, the- Pinecone, that if, if that were the case, that you would make an adjustment on the fly and, and figure it out. Probably. Yes. I'd be like, all right. I mean, that happened to us once already this summer, we didn't get the lookout and I was like, all right, cool. We're hiking down to this place and then we're going to camp there instead. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fine. Wasn't our time. Um, but you can book them on rec.gov. Um, there are people, I mean, I don't recommend this. I I don't want to say I don't recommend this route, but like there's ones on Airbnb that are privately owned that you can stay in that are definitely much more like family friendly, you know, pet friendly, like accessible, they have power, they have whatever. Most of the ones I'm staying in are straight up like bunk beds. There's probably some mice traps in them. And like, maybe if I'm lucky heat, I stayed in one once that had a wood burning stove, but like, I have never seen a sunset or a sunrise like I have in a fire lookout. It's phenomenal or as many shooting stars. I mean, that's, that's really what I'm there for. I always plan to basically not sleep because I'm looking at stars, the sunset or the sunrise. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Now maybe it's just me and I've, I've watched too many uh, movies or, or shows, but you know, staying in a fire lookout up there all by yourself would seem kind of like zombie apocalypse kind of undertones. Yeah. So I stayed in one actually this last week and 
oddly enough, uh, you know, I was with another female and um, she, she maybe had like a little bit less experience being outside. So maybe just a little bit more, you know, on edge than normal. And I don't ever want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but a lot of people day hike to this particular lookout. Now they do have like a big door that comes down that you can lock from the top. So like nobody could get up in there, but still it's, you're in a very vulnerable place. I mean, if somebody wanted to get to you, like there is no way down. And oftentimes you don't have service. So I totally get that, but I'm not saying that to like scare anyone. The likelihood of that happening, very slim. Um, but we did have a lot of day hikers come and it was kind of sketchy because what would happen is they start walking up the stairs and we never really saw them coming up a trail all of a sudden we just start feeling the lookout shake because they're walking up the stairs and it's like heavy boots, like coming up the stairs. And it's like, Oh gosh, we're up here by ourselves. Do we pretend like we're not here? Do we make a bunch of noise? Do we go down and say hi? You know, situations like that. It is kind of scary. I've seen movies that start out like that. So that's why I like, don't do like cave diving or anything. I've seen too many movies about that. Freaks me out. Yeah. There's a lot of great hobbies out there. Cave diving is not at the top of my list. Yeah, what is that called? Spelunking or something? Spelunking. That's right. Not and if there's thing. water involved with spelunking, forget about it. Nope. Definitely not. Not going to happen. Yeah, canyoneering kind of terrifies me. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Hey, what's next for Pinecone? Yeah, well, one, I'm going to Patagonia in March. Nice. Uh, pandemic, pandemic. Willing. Aside. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, like depending on that situation. Um, mm-hmm. Going to Patagonia and doing, it is actually a guided trip. So, I mean, for me, I think the future of this whole guiding women on these trips is I would love to host them with backpacking, host them. I mean, I've had a huge turnout already for women who do want to go backpacking. So I think my eventual goal is to really be doing consistent trips with women throughout the year. And this one that I'm doing in Patagonia is with a woman that I've been following for quite some time. And, you know, I really look up to her. So I was like, I'd love to just go on this trip with her and like kind of see how it's, how it's done. Plus who doesn't want to go to Patagonia. Right. Um, I've always wanted to go and I'm at a time right now where I can. So why not? So doing that. Are you going to keep us in suspense? You're going to drop her name. Oh, it's Arielle Scheip. She's really cool. Okay. Are we <laughs> really cool. I don't know. Yeah, she's great. Um, she uh, has done a lot of hiking and she's also um, out in the back country. She, she just does a r- lot of really good things and really good education. She has a phenomenal YouTube channel. Like I have learned so much from her YouTube channel talks about gear, talks about, you know, adventures she goes on and gear that she brings. And that was something that really helped me. So yeah, um, she's great. Uh so doing that and then hopefully um, the JMT next year, that would be the next goal. So um, I, I would like to say that, well, one, I can't, I don't know the future of the Tahoe Rim Trail just because it was on fire last year. Right. So I don't know what that looks like. Obviously, I want to go back and finish that. But I think the next big plan is to do the John Muir Trail and spreadsheet is getting ready to go to South America for six months. So when she gets back, we'll go to do the JFT. Maybe you need to talk to her next. She's a pretty great gal. Okay. I, yeah. I, will, I will reach out. Can I drop your name? If uh, say, yeah. If I say Pinecone sent me, she'll know who Pinecone is? She'll know who Pinecone is. Yes, okay. absolutely. All right. Very yeah. good. Hey, let's do a quick top five list here. Real quick. Yep. Um, top five pieces of advice you give to beginner hiking women. Mm-hmm. Um. In the very quick yeah. one, mm-hmm. just go, just do it, right? Don't, 
even if it's just getting out to a local trail that is like one mile long, just go. Mm -hmm. Two, ask for help. Um, I think that so many of us don't want to ask for help or are scared to ask for help because they're embarrassed maybe. And that goes with any, not just like through hiking. If you want to learn to snowboard, if you want to learn a mountain bike, if you want to learn to do anything, you're surrounded by a community of people. Like I'm sure that if anybody asked you, Hey, I want to go on this hike, you would be like, heck yeah, let's get you out there. So, you know, um, ask for help. Three, uh, make sure that you're bringing, you know, the essentials that you're going to need. There was a situation with a hike here in Portland area, the Eagle Creek fires was a huge thing. And that's like a casual day hike. I've done that day hike in Chaco's with like a water bottle on my back. And there was people that got stuck back there because of fires for a long time. So now I just always have a day pack with the essentials. Um, so I think that's important. Do your research around new permits and new, like are dogs allowed? Are there's so many more areas that are permitted now? Like the uh, Thomas Jefferson, is it the Thomas Jefferson Wilderness? area that's in Oregon that's now permitted and that's very new I did not know that was permitted and luckily spreadsheet had done her research so you know uh, make sure that you have research around that because there there was rangers out there who were turning people around because they didn't have it um, and number five I guess I would just say like be confident don't let anybody you know try to put you down and say oh my gosh why would you even if I met this wonderful woman um, in when I did like a solo trip to the Grand Canyon. Uh, her name is April. She's great. I hope she listens to this. But we met and she was like, you know, I'm just thinking about doing the PCT next year, but I don't know if that's in the cards for me. It just feels so crazy. And I'm like, just commit to it. Like if you have a goal, say I'm doing the PCT next year. And then you know what? You're probably going to make it happen, right? Like if you finally commit to something, like I, I just bought the ticket to Patagonia. And I'm not saying everybody can do that because it's expensive and whatever, but if it's something you really want to do, be confident, make the decision, make a goal, and then work your way towards it. Start doing the training, start doing the whatever you need to do. Maybe you just want to, you know, do, I want to summit this mountain or I want to do a, a shorter through hike. Maybe it's like the Wonderland Trail, not discounting it. It's very hard, but, um, you know, just make a plan, commit to it and start working towards that goal. Yeah. Publish it, publish it, meaning, yeah. meaning speak it tell your friends, tell your family. And that, that puts the pressure on you to follow through. I think, I think the more that you can talk about it and get it out there into the universe, then the more likely it is that you're actually going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it makes you feel like you have, you have the ability to do it. Not just like, I want to do this. Like I'm doing this mm -hmm. and I'm going to, but like I'm doing it. Yeah. That is a great top five list. Hey, Pinecone, you know where we are? No. We are at that time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip inside of the week. And while you just dropped five great pearls of wisdom right there, what other bit of advice do you have for our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure even better? And I feel like I just used some of those. Um, personally, I, this is just something that I do to make my outdoor adventure better every time. It's not is zigzagging, I, is it? It's not zigzagging. No, okay, I actually right. bring a wonderful book um, with me that every time that's like my luxury item. And it's actually the same book every time that I bring, but it's one that really helps me get into my feels and puts me in a happy place that like, it just helps me feel so much more present and like at home in the outdoors. And it just makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel good. You know, it, 
it's like some people have that enjoyment of like drinking a cup of coffee next to an alpine lake like mine is like waking up in the morning and reading a chapter of this book and being like I'm ready to kick some butt today on this trail and I feel empowered and I feel amazing so I guess that's my pro tip okay you, you are you're very cryptic in, in some in some regards because you, you didn't you didn't reveal the title of the book yeah I will tell you the title of the book and okay. um it's called out here by Carolyn Highland um she is uh located based out in Truckee and I found that book at a local Truckee store um word afterwards books and it is literally like my bible it is amazing and I tell her this all the time I'm like please write more I love this yeah nice okay so there you have it that's it this episode is just about in the books hope our listeners enjoyed our time with pinecone want to thank her for joining us this week pinecone how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures yeah, um, you can find me uh, on Instagram. It's at Cameron Kaylee. It's kind of hard to spell. So maybe we could drop that in the notes or something. K-M-R-I-N-K-A-Y-L-E-E. And that's where I'm really putting all my updates on. Uh, I also, you know, threw this out on a different podcast that I was on, but like I will travel for adventure. If you are like, I'm in Nevada and I would love to hike. I'm like, cool, let's plan something and I will make it happen. So, you know, my DMs are always open. I'm, I'm down to help anybody please feel free to ask me questions at any time and I will be there. We'll put your Instagram handle on our website. And, you know, just as proof of concept, she went up to Alaska with legend uh, on a whim. So yeah, she, she is, uh, that's an actual thing. She will yes. travel. Yep. Yes. I'm not kidding. I will go. <laughs> Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmere at gmail.com. Pinecone, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of media uh, that is, they're going to help our listeners stay connected to outdoor adventures. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Hopefully you can still hear me. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so Carolyn Highland's book for sure. Okay. Uh, that one was absolutely phenomenal. Um, can't say enough about it. There's also two books that I've read by, um, I might butcher this Erling Clergy. And one is called silence in the age of noise. It talks about like the importance of silence just in this world that is kind of buzzing constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, he is a famous explorer and has done some really amazing stuff. So recommend that one as well. Um, documentary wise, there's a really good one that, uh, I mean, Katie Burrell is like, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's hilarious. She does kind of like this outdoor industry comedy, um, just puts a lighter, you know, note on everything. So she did, um, a like short 15 minute mini documentary that was amazing. And then did another one called coach, but anything by her. Katie Burrell. Yes, Katie Burrell. So sorry, my iPhone just died. That's <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? Um, what have you not asked me that I'm dying to tell you about? I... Oh gosh, I don't know. Are you looking for like inspiration? Are you looking for funny? Are you looking for something else? I just want to make sure I didn't leave anything on the table. If there's a, you know, a, a horrific story or something really funny that we, that you were, you were hoping I would ask about or, or bring up, or you'd have a chance to share. Now's your chance. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, 
you know, you asked all the good stuff and, and covered some fun things. Um, this was just a really awesome conversation and I'm stoked. And I hope that if nothing else, like people will glean from this, you know, the outdoors is for everybody. And I'm hoping that this inspires, you know, some other women to get outside and, and men as well, you know? And I think, uh, I think that it's a really enjoyable place to be. And I hope that other find others find it the same. Well said. That's a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Cameron, besides spreadsheet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously spreadsheet. She's she's a rad chick. Um, also to legend, like he is just such a cool human that I I just can't like thank him enough for, you know, putting this knowledge on me, being willing to be an amazing friend. And, you know, he's just such a good conversationalist. Um inside of hiking stuff and outside of it, which is mm -hmm. really cool. So yeah, shout out to both of them. Um, and I would also say uh, shout out to another friend, um, Matt Mason. He is a really cool bowl full of knowledge. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His trail name is Pretzel. Pretzel, um, Matt Mason. Yeah, he is a really cool guy. He helped a lot with my Tahoe Rim Trail stuff. Um, I had heard him on a different podcast and just kind of like you know, slid into his DMs being like, Hey, tell me what, you know, and he was just so willing. So I think he has also been like a big, you know, advocate for a lot of really awesome things. His podcast that I listened to was one of my favorites. It was like three hours long, but very entertaining. So yeah. Shout out to him too. Pinecone. Did I just catch that? Right. Did you say that you slid into his DMs? Not in that way. Like okay, I, I, just, I mean, just, but just that's clarifying. like the way yeah. that's the, whatever you say. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I just, I DM'd him. <laughs> and said, Hey, help me, which I think like, oh, that's like the other thing about Instagram. That's really unfortunate. Like there is this notion of like, Oh, slid into their DMS. But like, I, I really do want people to feel comfortable messaging me and asking me questions. Like it, it doesn't always have to be like, if you are messaging me, it's in with bad intention or not bad intentions, but with some type of intention, um, you know, it should just be a free space. Like you should be able to ask someone something and if they want to answer you cool, if not also cool. This is, this has ended kind of, kind of weirdly. So I, I, so I'm saying get back, get us back on track here. Okay. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're running zigzags to avoid that charging moose behind you. I hope the that's The trail true. is the trail. I hope so too. Embrace <laughs> the suck.